Back on the Fan Morning Show, Sports by 590 The Fan, Justin and Alish back in the saddle. The duo is here, and we got some fiery content from James Harden way overseas in China. Never missing an opportunity to stir the pot. How about that? Yeah, I think that's fair. Someone will be certainly fired up. Got a chance to chat with him a couple months ago, but we remember it well because we both got off the air being like, that guy was awesome. Just mm-hmm. a legend. Um, our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Howard Eskin, host of 94.1 WIP in Philadelphia. Howard, how are you doing this morning? Thanks for coming on. Uh, I've never had a bad day in my life, so let's start another one today. I love to hear it. Um, I'm sure you have lots to chat about um, on your show this Saturday, 8 to 10 a.m., of course. Um, But before then, let's get into the James Harden saga. So obviously overseas in China, we see him grab the mic and call Daryl Morey a liar and says he'll sever all ties with the Sixers and won't be uh, headed over there. Um, So, of course, there's a lot to unpack there. But are you surprised to see this, this? this type of action from James Harden or just uh, the way that the situation has unrolled? You can't have much surprise with what happens next. You know what? I'm really not surprised. Uh, I mean, it's hard to imagine that somebody who's still a member of the team, although um, only for the money, uh, would call uh, his boss a liar. But I'm not shocked. Uh, I've got another name for Daryl Morey. Uh, it's a fraud. Uh, he's never, ever won. I mean, he got to the conference finals one year in Houston, but a broken clock's right twice a day. So uh, I, I just, Daryl Morey, this team, Daryl Morey has created a more than a problem with this team because they've gotten worse since he's been here. Now, they don't get past the second round in the playoffs, but that's commonplace anymore. Uh, but personnel-wise, it's just it's not as good as it was when he came here. Uh, he's made mistakes. Uh, he's um, misevaluated players. I've heard from other NBA executives that they don't. A lot of times, they don't even take his call. Uh, they have somebody take a message because he overvalues all his players when he tries to make a trade, and the Nets got him. Uh, You know, not that Ben Simmons was a treat uh, to trade him, but they got two first-round picks, which they can use for other things. I don't know how good first-round picks are anymore unless you're in the top, let's say, 8 to 10. Uh, He can't trade a first-round pick to get rid of Tobias Harris because uh, he's traded them all away. You can't trade consecutive years, so he can't trade a first-round pick till 2029. Uh, it, it's just terrible. By the way, the James Harden trade was not his best option. He could have, and I, I could have gotten, and I've heard this from two independent sources, uh, Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald from Sacramento when before they traded those two players and given up one less first-round pick. And Tyrese Halliburton, is one of the best point guards in the league and will be for years. He's only like 23, 24. Uh, But Daryl Morey had this love affair with James Harden. Matter of fact, he's got a bunch of Houston Rockets on this team, and he brought in, helped bring in a front office person from the Houston Rockets. 
So, and what the hell have they ever done? So to make, to, to kind of summarize this, Daryl Morey has done nothing but hurt this team. But James Harden is a shell, a shell of the player he used to be. Uh, he's not a winner, and it's obvious by the way he didn't show up for many of the playoff games. So you've got two guys uh, that are, are not good enough for anybody uh, to win, uh, and it's that simple. So uh, I, I, I have a question for you guys. Sure. And a question for everybody. Okay, here's a question. If James Harden didn't want to play here, why did he opt in to the last year of his contract? Because he didn't have to opt in. He could have gone anywhere, right? That is true. Yes or no? Yep. Okay. But the reality is nobody out there, and everybody uh, talked about the Houston Rockets. Oh, yeah, they want James Harden. Social media is not social. It's not media. So when you see things on social media, most of it can't be believed. So the Houston Rockets didn't want him, and they had money. Now, if another team wanted him and they didn't have the cap room, why didn't they talk to the Sixers before he opted in, which they didn't do? <clears throat> because there's not a team out there that wants him. And he wouldn't have gotten $35 million from anybody else. So he opted in because there was nothing else. So if you didn't want to play here, then don't opt in. And then just sit out there until somebody wants you. Uh, and that, that wasn't going to happen. So uh, he's no box of chocolates either. Uh, we, we have two, two people uh, that have no way of helping this team win uh, ultimately and getting past the second round. So they're a mess. Uh, Daryl Morey's a fraud. And James Harden is not even close to the same player and doesn't show up. Uh, and that's been the last two years for most games in the playoffs. Does that kind of explain it a little bit? I, I think I think <laughs> it did. And yet I'm still with some questions, right? Uh, obviously, this sure. team, the Sixers would be better if one or both were not with the organization anymore. And James Harden is doing his best or making his best effort to, I guess, exit the organization. I guess my question is sort of, what is at the crux of the issue for him? Like, what is he so angry about? And, you know, has he leveraged this situation in a good way? Like, do you think he'll get what he wants because of the stance he took yesterday at an appearance in China? Well, I'll answer the back part of that first. Will he get what he want, wants? Uh, no, uh, because I think it's going to be hard to trade uh, James Harden because you're going to get garbage back. And, uh, and that's not what Daryl Morey's going to do. He, he's so stubborn. He'll just sit there and wait. And I, I understand that. What, do you, what are you going to do? You're just going to take players that match the money from somewhere else. Uh, and I don't think he's going to do that. What is the crux of the matter? Some people believe that Daryl Morey promised him a long-term contract uh, when he signed his contract before, and at the end, before your uh, your option year, that the Sixers would sign him to a long-term contract. You have to be an idiot, which in many cases Daryl Morey is, to sign him to big money Nobody, uh, most of the people in Philadelphia didn't even want him to come back this year, let alone sign him to a long-term contract. So that could be part of it. The other part of it, and I can see Daryl Morey telling him this, 
hey, listen, opt in and we'll trade you uh, to somebody else. But opt in because Daryl Morey, in his lack of wisdom, probably thought that he could get something for James Harden like he always does with players and probably asked him, and I think that's part of it, opt in and we'll trade you thinking he would get something. So it's one of the two factors. Either way, James Harden is not worth what Daryl Morey thinks he's worth or what most people in the NBA, and in this case, maybe all people in the NBA think he's worth. And why would you sign him to a long-term contract? So uh, he, he's, he's going to steal $35 million. Hey, uh, he, will, he ought to be taken out in handcuffs. And why don't you take Daryl Morey with him for stealing money at $12 million a year as the president and director of basketball operations for the Sixers? They're both stealing money. <laughs> We're speaking with Howard Eskin um, regarding the uh, situation in Philadelphia with the Sixers. But no, nobody's really asking how Joel Embiid is feeling. Uh, I saw that he removed Philadelphia from his Twitter. And I, I mean, obviously, he's uh, dealt with a lot in his time there. But when's his patience run thin? How long till he's the one that's wanting to get out of a situation that seems uh, veering into untenable? Well, I know when people look at Joel Embiid, and by the way, Jokic was the MVP this last year, even though Embiid was voted the Mm -hmm. MVP. Jokic is so much better a player than Joel Embiid, but that's another story for another day. Joel Embiid is very talented. However, he's not a leader. He's not a winner. He's always complaining. Well, I don't have this, and I didn't have this, and I played hurt. And last year at the end of the year, he says, well, it's just me and James Harden. So he threw the guard um, Tyrese Maxey under the bus by saying it was just me and James Harden. You know, it's always never him. So to answer the question, when will he want out? When he loses his comfort level, because every coach he's had, from Brett Brown uh, to Glenn Rivers, and I say Glenn Rivers because there's only one doc in Philadelphia, and that's Julius Irving. Uh, So uh, I look at it that way. They always let Embiid do what he wanted to do, whether it was the way he practiced, whether it was the time he came in before the game, whether it was shooting three-point shots when he should have been in the low post, whatever it was, he got away with it. Now, Nick Nurse, and you guys know Nick Nurse better than I do, but uh, I think he's a good coach, and and we'll see. I think he's going to want Joel Embiid, and he's not going to take no for an answer, to do more things down low in the low post but Joel Embiid's never in the shape he should be in. He plays in the low post. He uses more energy, would play less minutes. So he's a really talented player, but I don't think he's a winner. So when is he going to want out? When a Nick Nurse pushes him and, and doesn't take no for an answer, this is what I want you to do. He actually said at his news conference he wants him to be a facilitator. Joel Embiid is a turnover machine when he puts his hands on the ball. So that, I don't know how that's going to work. So uh, we'll see. When he loses that comfort, then he might want out. But he loves the fact that he could do anything he wanted to do. Uh, It's a mess. Here's the bottom line. The 76ers are a mess, and they are a disaster. Uh, and, and And that's a problem. And Really, there's more news about them trying to get a new uh, arena built on their own in downtown Philadelphia, which would be another mess and another disaster because it doesn't it wouldn't work in this town to have two arenas 
uh, it just doesn't work in most cities. Most of the time, the hockey and the basketball play in the same arena. I don't know what it's like up in Toronto. That's uh, the same. But, uh, yeah, uh, okay, and, and that's, the, that's the way it needs to be. But that seems like they're more interested in that because the owner, and let's, let, let's not leave him out of the equation here, Josh Harris, is more interested in making money than winning. And it's not necessary in these days in professional sports to always win to make money. He just bought the Washington Commanders, uh, who, by the way, are a rival, and everybody knows this, of the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. He has no passion for the 76ers to win. His passion is to just make money. He's an absentee owner, and that's another problem. It's the worst ownership that I've been around or seen in my lifetime. That's a, that's a, that's a little bit longer than some other people's lifetimes in my lifetime in Philadelphia. And so it's a mess all the way around. Uh, they will be the last team, in my opinion, to have a chance to win a championship. Um, I think the Eagles are first. The Phillies are second. I think the Flyers, I think the Flyers are next in line and then the Sixers. It's a joke and a disaster. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be a long time for the Flyers who are finally making the decision to rebuild, which is definitely what they should be doing at this stage, but uh, it will cause and involve some pain. Uh, Let's go to the Phillies. Let's pivot to this Phillies team uh, that's in Toronto for a short two-game set midweek, a little load management, I guess. That's a Nick Nurse term that uh, (laughs) I'm sure uh, that will be thrown around in Philly soon enough. Um, You know, they're leading the wildcard race. They're coming off, uh, you know, on the heels of an appearance at the World Series. Series. Is leading the wild card race for this team an accurate sort of depiction of this season and where they are? Yeah, I, I think it's accurate because the other teams seem to be, you know, kind of wallowing in never, never land. Uh, Miami's starting to play well. I think they've won now three in a row, and their offense is starting to score some runs. Uh, obviously, the trade for Josh Bell has really helped them. But uh, I thought Cincinnati would be better. I thought San Francisco would be better, and they're coming in next week. The Phillies are a good enough team to make the playoffs. I don't believe they're a good enough team to get back to the World Series. Actually, only twice in the last 28 years has a team that's lost the World Series won it the following year. Now, that doesn't mean they can't get back, but the Atlanta Braves are like incredible. They're incredible, and I think the Dodgers are better. So... And I'm not sure about Milwaukee because the Phillies pitching is okay now. Uh, it kind of they're leaking a little bit of oil over the last couple of weeks. I know Wheeler pitches tonight. He's pitched well, but he's not pitched the way he has earlier in the year. But they're a good enough team to make the playoffs. Uh, but I just don't think they're a World Series team. Uh, I just I can't see it. Now if they win, lead the wild card, then they play um, at home. Uh, for the first round of the playoffs, which they just keep on adding games and adding teams. But I just don't think they're good enough to get to the World Series. But they're good enough to get to the – especially the way the other teams, I think, are playing now. And the Phillies are really inconsistent offensively. Um, Tell me another leadoff hitter in baseball and in maybe the last 10 years that's hitting 180, and that's approximately what Kyle Schwarber is hitting. But he hits home runs, and he walks, or he doesn't walk enough. I mean, this analytics nonsense 
is just ridiculous. But they have real inconsistencies in their lineup. And I think Bryce Harper is obviously a very good player. But because of the injury, I assume that could be part of the factor. He's not hitting home runs this year. And that's – they need – the Phillies need to hit home runs to score. They don't hit with men in scoring position. And uh, you may see that over the next couple of games against the Blue Jays. But they're a good team, but not a World Series team, in my opinion. It's okay. The Blue Jays also have that issue. So maybe nobody will get any hits and nobody will get any runs. Um, you did get to see Michael Lorenzen, no hitter. Unless they hit home runs. Yeah, well. Unless they hit home runs. Sometimes. Uh, but That's don't hold your breath. Um, you did get to see a Michael Lorenzen, yeah, you know, and no hitter. Exciting, uh, well, I, I can't. I mean, they trade for a pitcher that apparently <laughs> nobody else really went after that hard. They didn't get up really that much uh, in uh, the trade with a minor leaguer, a player that I heard of, but not he wasn't near anywhere near the top of their list. He's done a really nice job. He's not overpowering. Uh, he's a good pitcher, and uh, I don't think he's an all-star. He was only an all-star because he was with Detroit, but he's done a nice job in the first two games. You, you can't ask for anything more, especially <laughs> when he pitches a no-hitter the last time out, but um, Obviously, it's exciting for him, and it's great for the Phillies. He will be in their rotation. Somebody's going to come out, and I think eventually Suarez uh, is going to come out and go back to the bullpen. But he will be in their rotation. And I, I put him ahead of Aaron Nola. Uh, Aaron Nola, is, he's on the last year of his contract. He wanted too much money. They weren't going to sign him for that. And now I don't think they're going to sign him at all. I don't think he'll even be here next year. But um uh, uh, Lorenzen, Michael Lorenzen has done a really good job, but maybe the the most exciting thing to hit Toronto in the next year will be Taylor Swift. Trust me on that. <laughs> Thank God she decided to come because we didn't have much going on up here. <laughs> yeah, we thought we were getting slighted, but we got we got a we got a lot of shows coming up. Uh, you mentioned though you're complaining about analytics. I mean, Rob Thompson leaving Lorenzen out there, 124 Canadian. pitches to get no no hitter. I mean, that's something we don't see around baseball anymore. But our guy, our Canadian guy, Rob Thompson, leaves him in. I mean, I think that was, a, you know, at least a deviation from what's charted out beforehand. Right, Howard? Uh, I like Rob Thompson, but he gets too locked in. But he's not alone. Too locked into analytics. <laughs> it's just, you look at the lineup, it's going to be lefty-righty, lefty-righty, lefty-righty. And there's an odd number there, so... At some point, uh, there's going to be two lefties in a row or two righties in a row, but that'll be at the bottom of the lineup. I, I'm so tired of analytics. I'm so tired of, well, the leadoff hitter, if he walks, but his on-base percentage is not even near what it needs to be to be a leadoff hitter. But Schwerber wants to hit hit there. Thompson's going to leave him there because he believes he walks more or better than anybody else in the lineup. I, I just you got to have somebody else. It can't be all about walks. I think putting the ball in play uh, most times is going to score more runs. And you can't just expect a home run all the time. I, I, but, uh, by the way, you can wish Rob Thompson a happy birthday. It's either today or tomorrow is his birthday. There you go. Uh, so you can wish him a happy birthday. But sure I like that. Rob. He, see, I don't think managers win games. I think managers can only lose games. you got to kind of stay out of the way. And I think, for the most part, he stays out of the way. And he doesn't – you can't start yelling at players. It doesn't work anymore because they're so sensitive in every sport. Uh, and he's done a, done a nice job. They played as well as I think uh, you can expect out of this team 
with the inconsistency offensively. And it, it happens. They, they rarely score without home runs, but he doesn't get in the way. I, I like Rob. Uh, I like Rob Thompson. I, I really do. Or in, in the case of many people here, Topper. You know, you Canadian people always have nicknames for people. <laughs> so he's got, he's got one for everybody. There, there you go. Uh, we saved the best for last year. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles have been receiving all the flowers. They've made some additions, I think, strong ones. I'm excited to see DeAndre Swift in that backfield. But, like, even at the draft, they're be- being considered the standard uh, in the NFL right now. So after going to the Super Bowl last season, what do you expect them to do for an encore? That's another uh, – here's another uh, interesting uh, statistic or trend. Only one team – in the last, I think it's 30 years, has gone back since the Buffalo Bills in the late 90s, have gone back to the Super Bowl the next year after losing. It's really difficult. And you need to try to figure out why. Well, the schedule in football changes because now they have a really tough schedule and first place teams get a tougher schedule. Coincidentally, the travel is more difficult for the Eagles this year because they play the NFC West. So that's two West Coast trips. There's a brutal stretch of the schedule after their bye week. Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, at Dallas, at Seattle. And they they better stack up some wins. But the Eagles, I believe, are the best team in the NFC. They have the best quarterback in Jalen Hurts in the NFC now that Aaron Rodgers is over in the other conference. And uh, I, I just... But there's something there, whether it's complacency, injuries, something that makes it more difficult to get back. They are the best team. That doesn't mean they're going to get back. Uh, And I don't know who's going to jump up and be better than the Eagles in this conference, the NFC, uh, than the Eagles. And coincidentally enough, in the NFC East, no team has repeated winning that division in 20 years. Uh, And I don't understand that either because I think – uh, the Dallas Cowboys have a dope as a head coach in Mike McCarthy, have a turnover machine and a quarterback in Dak Prescott. The Giants still have Daniel Jones, which is is not a good thing as their quarterback. So I don't know who in the division uh, is, can be can beat the Eagles, and they are the best in the conference. They're going to be good. It's just I, that's why they play the games, I guess. Uh, I, I I don't get it, but they are a very very good team offensively especially uh they're going to score i think they're going to score a lot of points now assuming the offensive line stays healthy and for the most part last year they went to the super bowl lane johnson had two groin tears and played in the super bowl but uh and he, nobody touched the quarterback from his side so i uh yeah health is a big part of success but they have some depth on the offensive line but they got great wide receivers I think Swift is going to be good, and they like to rotate backs. All these backs that want big money, you can shake a tree and 20 running backs fall out of that tree. It's not, <laughs> it's not the way they play the game anymore. Uh, you, can, uh, you can bring backs in, and the Eagles do it almost every year. They bring new backs in, and they, they'll get new ones the, the, the next year. Uh, you pass to win. You run to hold the lead, uh, and that's the way uh, – that's the way you win in the NFL, and that's what you got to do. And and I think that's that's what the Eagles are going to do, uh, especially with Jalen Hurts. They're a good team. They're a very good team.
Well, Howard, lots of excitement and lots of content there in Philadelphia. And we appreciate you running uh, through the sports this morning with us and enjoy getting the cover. What will be an exciting couple weeks ahead? Well, maybe I'll come up for Swift. Uh, oh, perfect. I'm a Swifty. Okay. Uh, well, you so got six I'll nights to, to figure it out. If you can get uh, tickets, uh, <laughs> you let us know. <laughs> hey, hey, my daughter just went to three shows in L.A., and oh. she went to two shows. She works in L.A. for a, a music marketing company, nice. music management company. and then But she got him on her. She knows how to play the game okay. uh, with getting the tickets. Uh, but. Uh, she was here for two shows in Philadelphia. So she's already seen five. She's already got <laughs> tickets for New Orleans. She's trying to get, I'll get her tickets for Miami. So she'll, and she'll fly from LA wherever. It's just, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen, but you guys will have fun, but you got to wait a year for that. Yeah. So, the Swifties uh, are a special breed of people. Um, yeah. yeah. We'll get you yeah. one of those little bracelets that they're making. If you come on up and we can I be got matched. one. Oh, I good. Got one. There you go. Uh, I was, I was hanging out with the mother and father who I'm friends with. And then one of the kids walked up and gave me, and I'm still wearing the little oh. bracelet. What's it say? <laughs> red. Oh, nice. All right. Hopefully you're not seeing red there when you talk about Daryl Morey and all the squad up there in Philly. I appreciate you coming on. <laughs> All right. Uh, you guys have a great day. You as well. Thanks, Howard. That's Howard Eskin, host of 94.1 WIP in Philadelphia. And our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. How many emails have you sent internally searching for the best route to Taylor Swift well, tickets? it is at the Rogers Center, and mm-hmm. we do work for Rogers. So I, I, I might have sent an email or two. I don't think that's going to be okay. <laughs> I don't think working here is going to be worth anything. I these, don't think these it will. tickets are, I mean. It's I, pretty absurd. People are, it's like the Hunger Games. It it's is. like, it's difficult. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't I find any luck so far, I'll tell you that. Man. But we can make little bracelets and maybe if we give them to the right people around the company. Yeah. It that, helps. I mean, when that when that series rolls around, the bracelets are going to be thrown around it's gonna in be this insane. building like there's no tomorrow. But it's nice that she's coming up. I did see rumors, rumors rumors okay everybody then maybe she'd be adding vancouver dates later but oh. but like think about all the people that are be careful mortgage. what you say like, i you just said really rumors five times couch it a million times this is twitter sleuths rumors but the the swifties have like they got connections i'm just saying it'd be kind of cool if she came to the other coast and then half the people that bought tickets the 31 million people that registered here some of them can say well i'll sell them off for a reasonable price and i'll actually go to the one on the West Coast. We'll see. You don't think it's going to be as competitive? It's insane. Yeah, it will be. Good thing Rogers has venues across Canada. There we go. Howard, what a guy. Lots of frauds. He loves loves that. We loves got frauds. Him. We got turds. We got phonies. <laughs> we, got, we, we got a lot of... <laughs> what a return. Uh, we got one more guest today. Ben Nicholson-Smith, uh, our sportsnet.ca MLB editor and obviously co-host of At The Letters podcast. We can put a bow on the about Bautista. <laughs> the Bautista weekend. Uh, wrap that one up. See what was most memorable, special for him as we celebrate a Blue Jay who retired a Blue Jay just this past weekend and look ahead at this Phillies series. Um, what might be next in store as those Mariners are just nipping at the heels of the Toronto Blue Jays. And we'll do a baby wake and rake to wrap up the show. We got Jays and Phillies. You can send your picks and we got a couple already. So keep, keep those coming. Um, Final block on the Fan Morning Show with Justin and Ailish. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The JD Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Jays back in action. Phillies, 7.07 p.m. start. We got Kikuchi on the mound. Kickoff, just a little two-game series. Just a little two-game. And then another day off. Man, they're just mailing in this week. <laughs> After 17 and 17 while I was away, we get a couple of days off. It's nice. I know. Another one next week, too. Just like... It's their own vacation it's time. Good. It's good. It's a luxury little, time. Little, little, they uh, need it. And three more days on the schedule where if Bo Bichette is not available, it it's not them. a game without Bo where you get Davis Schneider batting fifth <laughs> or Kevin Biggio of the yeah. 220 average batting fifth. A couple injury bugs that might need some time to uh, work themselves out, but we're on the mend. Uh, let's talk to Ben Nicholson-Smith, Sportsnet.ca MLB editor and co-host of At The Letters podcast. Ben, how's it going this morning? It's going well. Good to be uh, joining you guys. How are you? Yeah, we're doing well. Um, just came back from a lengthy vacation where I missed 17 straight Blue Jays games. So what's going on, what's going on with the Blue Jays? <laughs> uh, no. uh, well, let's start with Jose Bautista, though, because I did get to see uh, what was a wonderful weekend and a great celebration of a, of a legendary Blue Jay. And I'm sure you have lots of memories and thoughts on his time in the blue and white. What was the best part of this weekend for you? Yeah, you know, I do think that it was great to just see so many teammates and coaches and managers too, right? Cito Gaston and John Gibbons here, um, along with so many of Batista's teammates um, and a full house of fans to really show up for a chance to remember those moments and to to really give Batista some love after uh, a, an incredible career with the Blue Jays that included some of the some of the biggest moments in the history of the franchise. So. I think it was cool to see everyone show up and um, it was an emotional afternoon, no doubt um, with uh, a lot of chances for, for people to tell Jose Bautista just what he had meant to the franchise and what he had meant to, you know, certain teams, certain individuals. So I, I think that was really cool. And as someone who covered Jose during uh, part of his time here, not the beginning of his time, but certainly the end of his time here, um, it was uh yeah, brought back a lot of memories about a guy who was who certainly did things his own way and did things really well on a baseball field. Uh, if there is a permanent mark that he left on this organization, uh, what is it for you? I mean, for me, I'm thinking about legacy. I think, like, for me, he changed the expectations every year for this team. And I know there's other factors uh, that come into play with an expanded format and, and, you know, maybe more of a, you know, routinely spending the money to be one of the top teams in the league. But when I look at Bautista and it may be a little bit convenient, I'm going to be, but I'm going to be thinking about the guy who transitioned this organization from a team that was like always lesser than uh, in the, in the early two thousands to a team that's always going to be ready to compete. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a great way to put it. I think that he bridged that uh, those two eras for sure, and it's not a coincidence. Um, he was he was someone who kind of helped elevate things here with the Blue Jays um, because he played so well and he had for so much power, and he was able to do it in big moments over and over. So you know, of course, the trademark moment is the bat flip, and you know what he meant to that 2015 playoff run, but. You know, it was also even after the bat flip, the Blue Jays were playing the Royals and he hits a couple home runs in a game the Blue Jays narrowly lose, or it was 2016 when he's able to power that team. And so, you know, beyond the, the transition, he was also just a middle-of-the-order right-handed bat on a team that was really defined by its middle-of-the-order right-handed bats, along with him and Edwin Encarnacion and Josh Donaldson, um, others to a lesser extent. But Jose Bautista was really 
front and center in that. And if you were thinking about how are you going to get through a series in Toronto or how, how are you going to beat the Blue Jays when they visit you, of course, you're going to be game planning for the guy who, who has a couple home run titles. When you see a weekend like this, I think naturally you think, okay, who's who's the next person that gets this type of treatment, gets enshrined on the uh, level of excellence, and it might not be as soon as we think, but is there someone you think could be next in line uh, to be uh, uh, celebrated like the Blue Jays did with Jose Bautista? Yeah, I think the celebrations are really cool, and um, you know you don't want to overdo it, but at the same time, I, I think that there's room for the Blue Jays to celebrate their history actually way more than they do. Uh, I think that, you know, when I go to different stadiums, they see statues outside the stadium. And um, I think there's, there's all kinds of room for the Blue Jays to do more of that and celebrate um, big moments like the bat flip or George Bell catching the final uh, out of the, of the 1985. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't the last out of the season, but it was when the Blue Jays clinched. And, you know, those, those moments I think should be celebrated. Roy Halladay, um, but uh, I'm, I'm digressing from your question. And I think that to answer your question, I would say Edward Encarnacion deserves a lot of consideration when you think about what he meant to this franchise. And of course, Bautista had to go in first because he was a similar version and, and probably a better version of Edward Encarnacion. But you look at Eddie and what he was able to do here, and that's pretty significant. It really is. So, um, he would merit a lot of consideration. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's, there, there are others too. I mean, you could, you could think about Vernon Walls. Um, you could, you could think about others, but, um, yeah, I, I would, I would give Encarnacion some thought. Do you think it has anything to do with, uh, him being on the bench in full uniform and then exploding for 11 runs on the weekend and special advisor role? You think that maybe there's something brewing there with, uh, Edwin? <laughs> If only it was that easy, right? Um, that'd be great. Just put Eddie in the in the dugout. You're good to go. Eleven runs every time. Um, yeah, that that would be awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think those things are really connected, to be honest. Um, I think it's always encouraging when you can have eleven runs, um, and they needed that. Mm-hmm. They really needed that because you don't want to get swept by the Cubs, and you know, heading into an off day too. Gives them a chance to enjoy it a little bit more before before facing the Phillies starting today for a couple. So I, I think you know to see Dalton Varsho have the kind of day that he did on Sunday and um, you know show some signs of life at the plate after what's been a very disappointing offensive season for Varsho. I think that was really encouraging. Um, the Jays will certainly need more days like that to get to where they want to go. But um, you know it's hard to. This, this offense is, has really been more good than great this year, so it's hard to count on that happening too often. Uh, switching gears to the current team now, uh, you know, looking at Hunjin Ryu, or at least before the season, I don't know where you put the percentage at of him having an impact on this year, but it's official now. He is having an impact on this year. When you look at his, his process, his journey back to starting games for the Blue Jays, the fact that he had to be removed from his second start back, got shelled in his first start back, the fact that in, you know, two plus starts, really, well, three starts, but two plus outings because one was curtailed just a little bit. He's supplanted Alec Manoa. Cl- clearly, it says something about Manoa, but this journey, what Ryu's done to get to this moment says a lot about Ryu. So what do you make of him having an impact on this season when really I don't think anyone was, you know, truly, truly counting on that? Yeah, I, I think that's that's fair. Just when you think about um, 
how long it can take, right? It's 12 to 18 months coming back from Tommy John. He had Tommy John in June of 2022. So, I mean, who knows when he, when he would have been ready, but he recovered pretty quickly. Um, he worked really hard to get to this point and now he is contributing. And to me, he looks like a, you know, a fifth starter, which is, I mean, that as a compliment. Um, I think that fifth starters are really valuable and you need fifth starters to get through a major league season. And they're not always easy to find. It's the Blue Jays experience with Manoa. So, you know, at this point, Ryu, you know, probably throwing around 89 and giving you five innings. That's, that's, you know, it's not an ace, but it is very valuable. And if he can keep this up, the Blue Jays will be very, very happy. I don't think they need any more from him. I think exactly what he's doing right now is more than enough to keep them competitive, to keep their bullpen somewhat fresh and to keep them in games that they're going to need to win a lot of down the stretch because, you know, I know the Mariners lost last night thanks to the late Royals rally, but you know, it's going to be pretty close, right? So these, these next 45 days or so, um, you know, it's pretty high stakes. Like the, the Jays are in a reasonably good position, but they really need to make the most of this. You can't squander this opportunity in front of them. How open do you think the Blue Jays are to looking forward to the future with Hanjin Ryu, you know, as a UFA around the corner? He's in his 36-age year at this point. It has been a, a nice story over the last couple of weeks, but they have a lot of pitchers locked up next year, and he is one that is a question mark. And I wonder if those questions have started in your mind or if there's been any conversations that you know of that Blue Jays management is thinking about what's next with Hanjin Ryu. My guess is and I haven't asked about this, but my guess is that they're just going to let him play out this season. They're going to let him get his feet under him, um, you know, and, and let it, let it play out because um, a, he's uh, just in the process of coming back from, from this injury. His focus is probably needs to be on the field at this point. B he's a Scott Boris client. So typically those guys in the, in the last six weeks before free agency, it is very, very rare for them to sign an extension. And then also, you're looking at a group, as, as you mentioned, that already is essentially in place for 2024. So when you look at what the Blue Jays need to do off-season-wise, they have five starters, counting Manoa. They have five starters that they can use. They have a pretty good bullpen in place for next year as well. The big question for them this season, this off-season, is going to be how can they get some offense. Not only because this is not a great offensive team to begin with. Again, it's not bad, but it's not a great offensive team to begin with. But also because you're going to lose Belt and Kiermaier and Whit Merrifield and Matt Chapman. And so now you're talking about a significant chunk. Some of the biggest offensive contributors from your team are gone. To me, when the Blue Jays are thinking about how they can get better next year, that really has to center around position players and what they can do for you offensively. Uh, what's the latest on Bo, Ben? And, uh, you know, when you squint and you envision and you see Bo Bichette in lineups to come here post-deadline after we've seen, you know, everything come together here with Bo, do you think the Blue Jays have enough to support what is and has been a brilliant pitching staff this season? Well, yeah, to answer the second question first, I think, sure, they have enough. Like, it could be enough. Um, they've certainly beaten some good teams. Um, you think of the Dodgers, you think of Atlanta. They, yeah, the Blue Jays can beat good teams. They can, they, if they're doing what they should be doing, there's still no reason they can't win playoff series. So I think that their upside remains high. Their downside remains low. <laughs> They've got a huge range of possibilities um, when it comes to what could happen to them this season still. And, 
that's what makes the next stretch pretty interesting. But as for the first part and Bo's progression, we'll certainly learn more about that today um, from John Schneider and the Blue Jays around 4 p.m. Um, in the meantime, we do know that he was able to run the bases um, and he was able to um, move around. So that's a real positive. Um, certainly doesn't seem like the return is around the corner. He has, still has some steps to take. He told Stradivini that he still needs to do some um, movement, you know, fielding drills to his left and right and still coming in um, with respect to fielding. So he's not quite there, but you know, if, if he's back, you know, at some point next week, um, that certainly wouldn't be a shock. And, you know, we'll see it's, it's the Jays don't want to put a timeline on it, but if he's, if he's playing against the Orioles next week, or maybe he's back after their road trip, um, it certainly would seem that a return in August is in the cards. Last one for you here this morning, Ben. Uh, Alec Manoa sent down uh, to the minors uh, for second time this season. Uh, I wonder how much that is performance uh, versus situational with having some off days coming up. And then, I, I mean, looking ahead, September with the extended rosters, are there names that you think might be up and down? And is, is he one of them? Yeah, I, I think the decision came down to, you know, as you guys mentioned off the top, they have these three off days. And so it's really not a good time to be running six starters to begin with. If Ryu had needed a stint on the injured list with a contusion, then you're keeping Manoa. So it's not that he's out of the conversation for the major leagues. I think it's just that five guys are pitching better than him right now. And so, um, you know, moving forward, I could definitely see him in the majors. Certainly wouldn't be a surprise if he's up in September. Um, I don't think that's a guarantee, though. I think he's going to have to earn that. This isn't, you know, it's, it's, um, in comparison to years past where you could call up really a limitless amount um, of, of players to join your roster in September. Now that's capped. You can, you can only add one player, one position player, one pitcher. So there is a limit there. They might choose to use that pitcher slot on a reliever instead. Um, depending on how the rest of the roster is configured in a couple weeks' time when they do get that extra spot. But I, I think Manoa will be in the conversation, and I don't think they'd hesitate to, to use him again. But at this point, he's just beyond that front five. Well, Kikuchi takes the mound tonight. Uh, should be a great one. Blue Jays hosting the Phillies for two games. Uh, enjoy it, Ben. We appreciate you coming on this morning. My pleasure. Have a good one. You as well. It's Ben Nicholson-Smith, sportsnet.ca MLB editor, and of course, co-host of At The Letters podcast, 707 First Pitch. And I'm taking something from the Wake and Rake for the Blue Jays. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. I'll tell you one thing. I tried using the apps over in Prince Edward Island, and unfortunately, you are geo blocked and I was unable to bet for 17 days so I didn't win uh, any of your wake and, I didn't win any of your wake and rakes mm. that you say you won back to back um, last week but I'm ready to rumble tonight the okay. app is loaded up and I am in Ontario you can scratch the itch yeah so I'm going Blue Jays money line I'm picking the home team with Kikuchi on the mound uh Phillies. Dog night? yep the team is going to be fired up by an influx of fans to eat the nitrate Concoctions. It's nitrate night. It's nitrate night. Blue Jays minus one hundred seven. It's a coin toss, and I'm going to take them to win at home. Yeah, Kikuchi, man, like he's uh, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball since the All Star break. He's pitching himself into contention mm-hmm. for 
a wild card game if and when we get there? Like Kikuchi, if we're talking about good stories from the 17 days, I guess Davis Schneider's weekend is up there. But like stuff that's most real, you say Kikuchi's run over this last little stretch here has been remarkable. So uh, yeah, a lot of confidence when he's on the bump for the Blue Jays. We went with the full happiness hedge parlay yesterday with I think Mariners, Orioles, and... Astros, okay. I think we went with. Okay. Just to, like if it's a bad night for the Blue Jays, at least it's a good night for us. I'm going to like take a uh, just a segment from that and go with the Mariners. I don't think they're going to lose twice in a row in Kansas City. God, it, was a, no. it was a tough one last night for them, uh, but they should be, you know, they are favorites, but they should be favored to win games in Kansas City at this point in the year, at least for me. So I think the Mariners are going to get one in Kansas City tonight. I will add that minus 145 to the parlay. Okay, so we got a couple of wake and rake picks. Of course, as soon as I come back on the show, people are firing them in. Yeah, like what's, <laughs> I mean, I know I'm not good at reminding people, but like, come on, guys. People had other things to say this morning on the text line, so they just snuck them in there. Uh, Ron and Jules, well, just Ron today, will take Ellie De La Cruz over two or more total bases at plus 110. Okay, Dan from Peterborough, Jay's back after a day off, just like Ailish. Uh, don't think any of the Jays Got a new right, though? Ring. Ring, though. Sorry. New ring. Maybe they did. Maybe they did. Jose Bautista got a pendant. Anyway, <laughs> congratulations, Ailish. Yeah, I echoed that sentiment. Jay's money line with Kikuchi on the bump, uh, sharing a brain with you and sending congratulations to you. That's very nice. Um, we've got... Thank you for that, um, Dan. Uh, wake and rake. Kikuchi over 6.5K is Phillies with the second most strikeouts against lefties this year, and they have no choice but to play those players. That's Alex and Mississauga. Morning, Alice and Justin. For today's, today's Wake and Rake, Whit Merrifield over one and a half bases. I'm telling you, that has been the nuts lately because Whit Merrifield <laughs> does not stop hitting. It's at one plus 115 right now. That's a pretty good one. He's batting lead up, we presume, <laughs> and he is racking up base hits. Uh, a couple more here. Jay's mining line and over seven and a half tonight, Astros and minus one and a half. That's big E, Eric from Burlington. Okay. Uh, is Wait, there's Kiku- two more quickly in the text line. Okay. We got Nick from Milton saying Kikuchi over K's and welcome back, Ailish. Thank you. And Jay's Phillies under seven and a half. That's Brandon from Keswick. Let's just do Jay's, Jay's, Jay's. Let's do Kikuch. Okay, Kikuch. Oh, we have a lot of Kikuchi, no? We have yeah, there's three a lot Kikuchi. of Kikuchi strikeouts there. We Let's love Kikuchi. Okay. We do. We, Grapefruit League MVP. We love MVP of the second half. <laughs> That's our guy. He's our guy. Um, Kikuchi over strikeouts. Um, I'm seeing, are we seeing five and a half? Uh, Is that what they're saying? It was saying? six and a half in the line. Maybe okay. we should play five and a half if it's available. Either way, we're playing the over. Whatever you get, but I'm seeing six and a half. So that together is Seattle Mariners money line. Kikuchi over K's and the Blue Jays to win on the money line as well. Plus 525. That's a good one. I feel good about that. I love that. We love Kikuchi. Any Kikuchi-based parlay is a parlay worth playing. And Looney Dogs. It's a beautiful day to come back onto the show. It really is. Looney Dogs Tuesday, Kikuchi on the mound, Blue Jays back in action, a fun day on the Fan Morning Show. Uh, We got the rest of this week on the morning, and then we're taking the drive time again next week. Mm -hmm. So soak it up while you can, folks. Three more shows this week. There you go. And yeah. shout out Spain advancing to the World Cup final That's right. this morning. That's right. We have uh, tomorrow we'll know the final um, set because England and Australia will play at 6 a.m. tomorrow. There you go. So we'll be live on the air. I really want Australia to win. I want them to win the World Cup on home soil. That would be a nice story. Yeah. I don't think I bet anything. We, Maybe Sam done. Kerr could score eight goals and we'd cash a ticket okay. on that. Sam Kerr, eight goals. Australia wins the World Cup. That's things to look forward to. Uh, but we'll be back tomorrow morning. Thanks, everybody, for the nice messages today. And we will chat tomorrow.